these are on, right? Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you should really, nobody should ever let me do this. You're listening to the Noon 15 Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cole, and I'll take you behind the scenes of Noon 15, an independent band writing, performing, and recording original music. This season, we'll talk about Noon 15's debut release, Volume 1, and get the story behind one song per episode, as well as the ups and downs of working around day jobs, babies, and band shakeups here in Ithaca, New York. At the end of each episode, you'll hear the song in its finished form. Thanks for listening, and welcome to Noon 15, the podcast. And welcome to episode five. We're releasing the Noon 15 album, volume one. Track number five is Dave Coulier. Songwriting credit for this one to Harry Nichols and a lot of external help on this one. We have, of course, the four core members of Mandy Goldman, Samuel B. Lupowitz, Harry Nichols, and Joe Massa here with me today. Chris Armitage on drums on the album. Also on this song, we have Angela Yantorno and Alejandra Demek on violin. Mark Lewis on viola and violin, and Mackenzie Jones and Leah Collar on cello. We also have Bob McMahon on trumpet, Alex Staples on tenor sax, and Kevin Drew on baritone sax. And so the background here, Harry, this is kind of a familiar story, if you're an Alanis Morissette fan anyway. Yeah, so kind of, yeah. So the song is uh, just r- another sort of story that I kind of came up with uh flying by the seat of my pants but it's about uh, a murder and uh, uh, after a relationship that has gone awry I was stumbling in the dark for you ain't never there for all I went through I thought I was in the center the line just kept repeating you ought to know you ought to know you ought to know every chorus and so I called it you ought to know and gave it to the band Realized only later that there's a, a very famous Alanis Morissette song called <laughs> You Ought to Know, which is about the actor Dave Coulier. Uh, and so we called the song Dave Coulier, <laughs> which is very, as as my friend put it, uh, it's it's a, what, is, what did Aaron say? It was a meta... Inside. A meta inside joke. Yeah. And then he said, that's approachable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sort of guarantees that it alienates people from the it, which is much, yeah. Which is the story of my entire music career, such as it is. So just, <laughs> just like layers of things that keep you from being included. Did you have any sense of how big this would become when you started it. Yes. Yeah. I set okay. out intentionally <laughs> yeah. to... I'm, I'm really trying to break away from verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, yeah. chorus. 
Uh, I've written a million songs like that, and I'm just interested in trying new things. A lot of the music that I really admire is not that, like the second half of Abbey Road, Brian Wilson's Smile. Um, and so I'm trying to write stuff that is more sweet-like uh, or um, just in general, you know, sort of having different songs different sections than you would normally expect, you know, your your pop song that you would find on the radio to have. Yeah. I knew that I wanted it to have sections that it would be hard to say, well, this is a pre-chorus, or no, this is a bridge. Like you used to hear me of but it's not the bridge because there's this <laughs> other part and right. then there's an outro. You know what I mean? Like, so I really wanted it to be, to embrace the pr progressive side of the progressive soul pop that we try to do. Yeah, very well, well done, I think. Yeah. Thank you. I wondered if there was maybe a, in the mixing process or recording process, if there was ever a moment of like, let's pull out all the stops, or were there just never any stops in the first place? Uh, there were never <laughs> any stops in the first place, but it, it did get more and more uh, extreme as, as it went. At the point that we just had Mandy uh, whispering the lyrics at different rates of the second verse <laughs> is when I said to myself, <laughs> we might be flying off the rails. <laughs> Go and kill yourself. You'll be fine after all. After all. Oh, yeah. But it sounded cool, so we just kept going. <laughs> <laughs> and here we have it, yeah. This song is a perfect opportunity to talk with Sam a little bit about his experience and just process for recording and mixing everything, because this, <laughs> I don't know, I, I think I'd referred to this one as the masterpiece. Um, it's kind of just everything is here, you know, it all really came together. And so you had an opportunity to have a studio at your disposal. Yes. Right. And so that's kind of what made this whole thing possible. I guess the first question is just would it, would this album have happened when it did if that wasn't the case, uh, the short answer is no. Yeah. And I think that's that's why that's why we did it the way we did it. Um, we talked about having different people come in to record it because I said early on, even after I knew I would have the studio available, I said, that's great. You know, I'm happy to then engineer all the overdubs we do and, you know, any fixes and extra parts. And but I don't want to be trying to engineer a live band session for the first time ever and being in the band. Right. Uh, and you can't find 
And then we talked to people about coming in to help, and we talked about places we could go instead. And Harry just had a baby. Joe had a baby on the way. I wanted the thing to happen, so I said, well, maybe I'll do it. And if it sounds bad when we hear what we do, we'll trash it and go with someone who knows what they were doing. But everyone seemed pretty happy with how it was sounding after we did a few sessions, so we just kept doing it that way. Uh, and thus began the insane suicide mission of just me <laughs> making the record. Sam, Sam tends to wade in, only <laughs> to dip his toes in the water. <laughs> and then... Yeah. And just ease in from there. Just yeah. ease in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there are limitations to my knowledge from the technical side, but I listen to a lot of records, mm. and I really, I know what I like. Mm -hmm. You can always benefit from having someone who knows more than you help you do a thing sure. instead of just doing it yourself. Is that but, where Mark Hennessy comes in? Well, yes. Yeah. Um, Mark Hennessy, who has been a, a friend and musical collaborator for many years. He was in my, my first real band when I was a teenager, um, Flying Pigs. You tried to take it out of the way. I don't know what to say about you. He's a great engineer, and he's mixed uh, a lot of my records before. And he was kind enough to come up for a weekend after I had sort of done a round of, of mixing uh, all the songs after all the parts have been recorded and look at what I had done with everything and kind of go through piece by piece and say, okay, here's the kick drum. Let's see. All right, let's, let's dial this back a little bit. Uh, here's the snare. Oh, maybe we should EQ this a little differently. A uh, bass. Okay, bass looks good. <laughs> Guitar. Uh, what were you doing here? Let me. It was, there's a lot of that. Mark was a perfect was a perfect sixth piece for Noon 15 specifically because Noon 15 was kind of founded on everybody having a lot of mutual respect and admiration for each other and Mark is like very much a a part of that mm -hmm. like a close friend who knows all of us and what we do uh and for whom we have a lot of respect and he has respect for us and what we do, and everybody treats each other with sort of that uh, trust. And for mastering, you went to Gabe Solomon, SNS Studios. You send your music to mastering when you've already mixed it to where you like how it sounds. Right. But it's that last... Like You can often... You might not be able to identify that that's what it is, but the difference between like a record that sounds sort of amateurish and one that sounds like a, a real record in quotes, is uh, often that mastering step, that last step that kind of makes everything sound like one piece and puts that, like, polish on it. Yeah. 
on the other two records I was involved in this year through Spectrums and Julia Felice and the Whiskey Crisis. And it just came up as a natural extension of he's been working on stuff that we've been involved in, you know, Joe and Harry and I. Um, And he's been great uh, just hearing what we want to make it sound like and just finding a way to make it sound the same but better. Dave Coulier, it's the most indicative of the direction the band is going sonically. Okay. Where it's it, it's like a catchy, groovy little song that then continues to add these layers and progressive elements and keeps taking twists and turns you don't expect. And I think that's sort of my goal for this is to keep making it a songwriting band, uh, but just when you think you know what the song is it takes you in an unexpected place yeah yeah (laughs) i think the point of this band is that it's not like one specific genre but rather a bunch of sort of genre bending kind of things but with this four uh, lineup sort of putting their stamp on those different Mm -hmm. styles and genres and feels and stuff so yeah but that's my long answer of saying (laughs) it's about all i had I'm bringing out the worst in you. You're making all my worst shine through. So what am I to do about your busting
Thanks for listening to the Noon 15 podcast. Visit noon15.com to subscribe and for more music, videos, and info on upcoming shows. If you like what you hear, tell your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. Tune in next time for another trip behind the scenes with Noon 15. Noon 15.